Today we're reading from Mark 5, 21 to 43. Jesus got into the boat, sorry, <laughs> Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently <laughs> with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd, in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she'd gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realised at once that healing power had gone out of him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How could you ask, who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then, a fright then the frightened woman, terrible trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messages arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stepped the crap stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and, weep and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave and he took the fa girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Hold her hand, he said to her, or something, which means little girl get up. <laughs> and the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened and he told them to give her something to eat. Good morning everyone. I'm Etienne and uh, I get to talk for the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes uh, about uh, this, the event that Haley just read to us about. And, and you know, I get to do this as part of a, a series. If, if you weren't here last week, we just briefly said we're kicking uh, into gear again this sort of series who we call Who is Jesus? We work through the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel is one of the accounts that someone wrote down about all the events in Jesus' life. And each week as we look at the next uh, episode in this uh, season, if you like, uh, we get another insight and a deeper insight and, and see, hopefully, the, a greater relevance to this answer. Who was this man, Jesus Christ? How does he want to affect your life and my life even today? In today's event, we 
meet two characters who I think we learn from a great deal. The first is a man whose name is Jairus. He was what was called a synagogue ruler. Imagine, perhaps in today's terms, today's world, he was uh, like an elder of his church, perhaps with significant responsibilities. It was his job to make sure that the synagogue, which was sort of like a... It's not right to call it that, but it helps us to understand uh, a Jewish church, if you would, where you know the Jewish religious people went to, they received some teaching, and they were a faith community. And He was a highly significant leader, this man, Jairus, of this community. What I think we're meant to get, we're not given a lot of detail, but it's probable that he was not a great fan of Jesus. Uh, generally, the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day were not great fans of Jesus. He probably didn't like him. Maybe even worked actively against him, wanted to see him destroyed, removed from the scene of the day. But then a crisis develops in his life. His daughter is on her deathbed. Now, I have, by the mercy of God, and, and, and I trust all of us, by the mercy of God, would never have to suffer the loss of a child. I know parents who did, and you may be a parent who did one day, but from what I understand, you know, there is nothing in life that is as severe uh, as an experience like that. And that's, the, that's the, the crisis that Jairus, this man Jairus, is facing. And, and with that comes, I think, a rejection of every hang-up that he had with Jesus up to this point. You know, he is desperate. He is willing to do anything to plead for the case of his daughter. Now, Jesus has done some uh, marvelous things, miraculous signs and such. And regardless of what your stance is on that, whether you believe in whether it's true or not, let's assume for now we're okay to say, yes, you know, these things did happen and Jairus heard of it and he is willing for the sake of his daughter to go after Jesus. In fact, the text said, you know, he he threw himself at Jesus' feet. This is a desperate, desperate parent. In a way, what he does is he displays to us a faith in this man, Jesus. It's an imperfect faith. It's probably not the kind of faith that, that God wants us to have in him and wants us to have in Jesus Christ. It's, it's quite quite imperfect, but it's a faith. Now, I don't know where you're at in your life today, but, but I know that so often for so many people, you know, this is where our journey of belief and faith in God and, and in Jesus Christ starts. We're down and out. We're in crisis. We're desperate. Having nowhere else to go, we would go to Jesus and we would throw ourselves at his feet and beg 
hoping that maybe this person, Jesus, maybe this, uh, this thing that's called the gospel, maybe these people uh, called Christians and the message they have, maybe there is hope for me that I can so be affected, that my life can be affected and changed, that there is some sort of power in this. This is where Jairus is at. This is where many of us are at in our lives, or have been at. And the question for us here is, in the story, what does, this, what does Jesus do? The, the human response is, Jairus, you don't like me. You, this is a bit of an embellishment, you never did like me. Why, why should I go with you? Why should I help you? I guess at a, at a street level, this is sort of what we expect Jesus' response might be to an, an imperfect faith like that. And yet, <laughs> that's not Jesus. It's not how God works. It's not how Jesus Christ in his tender mercy and his loving care works. He takes that imperfect faith of this man and he, he says, yes, yes, I'll come. He will take your imperfect faith and he will come. <laughs> First thing we kind of get out of this, this event. But we move on. As they now make their way from where that boat got onto the shore of the lake, they make their way to Jairus' house and a very strange and significant event happened. I'm not going to recount it word for word, but we read that there was a woman in this crowd. It was a massive crowd of people, throngs, you know. Imagine a big protest or a parade in our day. That sort of, it was, it was busy, you know. There was a woman who suffered from bleeding. Uh, you know, this is, this is pretty clear to us. This was a menstrual problem. For 12 years, she bled uncontrollably and unstoppably. The situation is desperate. It is terrible. Uh, she did everything she could, as the story outlined to us, to stop this. It could not be stopped. She comes up and thinks to herself, if I can but touch Jesus, I believe I'll be healed. So she does this. You'll recall the, uh, the details of the story. Jesus... Uh, I believe Jesus knew this would happen. I believe, in fact, Jesus allowed it to happen for a purpose, for a reason, for us to see something specific. He stops. He inquires. He says, who touched me? The people are saying, hey, hang on, there are hundreds, thousands of people here. How can you ask that? <laughs> Everyone's touching you. No, no, no. Someone touched me. Someone touched me specifically. And he knew that there was a, there was a healing, well, he allowed it, he purposefully did it for that healing to take place. This woman, I, we're left to kind of think, and I, and I want you to help me here, I want you to do some of the work here with me of interpretation, because I wasn't quite sure where to land. We have to ask ourselves the question, was her faith in Jesus Christ also an imperfect faith, or does she served to us as, as an example, uh, a model, if you like, 
of, of how we should believe. Uh, people have uh, these two different opinions about this. Scholars and people who know and who've thought long and hard about this, some would say, no, this is quite an imperfect faith. You know, there was a lot of superstition in the day. Uh, Alexander the Great, Greek leader, for instance, people believed quite superstitiously as he paraded himself down the cities whom he conquered that if they could but get up to him and touch him, there would be some transferal of, of blessing. You'd get something of his power or his aura or his success in life. Um, you know, maybe this is what's going on in her head. She's, she's not quite clear on who Jesus is. Her faith and her understanding of, of who he is and how how he might want her to live is not, not quite all there. It's fairly imperfect, superstitious, but she goes for it. Or is she, or is she this model example of someone who heard about Jesus, who understood who he was, and who goes in complete faith and says, look, I, I, I just need to touch him. And her faith is greatly rewarded. I'm not 100% sure, but here's what I do know. Let's assume her faith was uninformed, presumptuous, perhaps even superstitious. Here's the thing. It was real. (laughs) It was real. She had a real belief that this man, Jesus, can do something. He is no ordinary man. He is not like anything else our world has ever encountered. There is something different about him. It was real. And so she goes up and she, she touches him. And you know the story. You've heard the story. Jesus realized how it had gone out of him. And eventually, once he finds her, he says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I'm going to talk about that verse 34 a little bit in the end, just a question that comes out of it. For now, I just want to move on with the story, if if that's okay. Because now, now the story really, really deepens. People come from Jairus' house. This has been a delay. A massive delay. This girl, in the meantime, is on her deathbed. She's dying. They come and they say, Jairus, it's too late. Your girl is dead. I clearly recall, I was about 18 or 19, um, my grandfather had just passed away, uh, and I was very close to him, and for some reason, shortly after his passing, my uncle, my dad, and they, they invited me along because we had to go and identify the body. We went to the morgue, and uh, I, you know, for me, it was the first time in my life where I've seen a, a dead body. Um, I'll never forget the scene, the room, um, the sunlight, and I was left in there for a while by myself with him. Uh, my dad and my uncle sort of gave me that space. And um, a question, I, was, I think I was a Christian at the time, I'm not really sure, sure to be honest with you, um, but I, 
But I do know that I stood there with this body. And the question came up to me, you know, do I believe that this body can live again? That, that, that life can enter back into what, what I see here. You know, Jairus, at that point in this story, is at exactly that point. He's, he's at a whole new level when it comes to the question of who this man Jesus is. Healing diseases, you know, maybe that's one thing. Uh, calming storms, maybe that's one thing, but, but can he bring life? Can he cause a dead body to, to have life again? That is, that, is, that is a whole utter new level. And, and, and for what it's worth, the people around Jairus there certainly did not display that kind of a faith. They're saying, don't bother anymore. She's dead. He may have healed her while she was alive, but, but it's over. And you know, here, quite frankly, comes the, the deepest of depth of the story. Jesus says, we're going. <laughs> we're going. I'll read it again. And try as I read this to picture the moment. Imagine you, Peter and John, or Jairus or his wife, witnessing that. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in, he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. He went in where the child was, took her by the hand, said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl. I say to you, get up. <laughs> These words obviously was, was you know, they're affectionate words. Talitha kum, the, the gospel writers and translators even Preserve it to us in the original language. There's very soft, tender-hearted words. This is who Jesus is. A soft and tender-hearted almighty God. <laughs> Speaks to her immediately. The girl stood up, began to walk. She's 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Hmm. Can Jesus raise my grandfather to life? Can Jesus raise your loved ones who have passed away to life? Can Jesus raise you to life? <laughs> that day in this room, the full size of who this man is hit 
home for Jairus and God willing to us in our lives that, yes, he can. <laughs> who, who is this? Who, who is Jesus? In the context of this story, the Lord, sovereign over life, the very creator, the giver, the one who we read in Genesis, through whom the world was made. Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. This is what Jairus gets, and that's what we get. And the central question that this story wants to ask is, do we believe it or not? It's as simple as that. We're all Jairuses. <laughs> do we believe it? Or not. Let me move to a close by just perhaps raising one more point that I think comes out of the story. Uh, you know, you read this event, and, and it's one of those events in the life of Jesus that Christians ask a very good question of. Should I, as a Christian, be able, like the women who bled, to touch the cloak of Jesus and be healed of whatever illness or suffering or disease I'm afflicted with in this life. Moreover, should I be, uh, as a Christian who carries the it kind of means little Christ. We are like Christ if you're a Christian. Should I as a Christian be able to uh, perform signs, wonders and miracles such as Jesus has here to the point of raising people back to life? There certainly is an understanding uh, that we should, that that should be the form of the Christian life, the standard if you like. Uh, should we, uh, like the woman, be able to go through similar experiences, receive instant healing for our illness, for our diseases and things in this life? Should we be like Jesus? That we, like him, can raise people from the dead, perform signs and wonders? These are very good questions to ask. And yet, they are not the questions. The question that this passage seeks to answer is, who is Jesus. The resurrection of the little girl, the healing of the woman is meant to give us, like Jairus, a profound insight into this question. Who is this man? It is meant to move us to a faith in him. A faith that believes that yes, he is all who he says he is. Jesus is the Lord of life and it rules over death. And in a sense, the signs, the wonders, all of them that Jesus did throughout his life is a means to an end. Can God and does God still perform signs, wonders, miracles in our day? I believe so, yes. If, when, how, where and under what circumstances can be a subject for another day. However, where I do believe our contemporary Christian culture gets it wrong too often, is we say that our faith will produce miracles. If we believe enough, 
we will be able to see and do miracles. It's quite the opposite. Miracles produces faith. It's the miracles in this event that was meant to produce the faith of the people who saw it. What God wants from us is to believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth. Believe that he is the Son of God. That is what God wants from us. That is what he wanted from Jairus. That is why all of this has happened. In a sense, you could argue, you know, that little girl was still going to die a mere 30 years later in her life. That woman who was healed was still going to die. At that point, it is their faith that counted. I don't know who exactly Jesus Christ is to you today. Maybe he is the Lord of your life. Maybe you're interested in him, but not really. Maybe like Jairus, you have a lot of hang-ups with Jesus, with the church, with God. Maybe you used to be really close to Jesus, but not so much anymore. Can I encourage all of us to be like Jairus and that woman? Come to him with whatever need you have. No matter how imperfect your faith may be, still come to him, because here's what I'm 100% confident of. If you come to him with a faith that is perhaps uninformed, presumptuous, even superstitious, but real, he will take that faith. He will enlarge it. He will expand it. He will do whatever he deems wise, necessary, and loving for you to bring you to the point where you can stay. I know who Jesus is. He is the Lord of life. If he sees it fit to do miracles, he will. If he wants to use suffering, he will. If he wants to simply speak to you from Scripture, he will. If he wants to give you visions and dreams, he will. It truly does not matter how he does it, as long as he achieves what his Father wants which according to the Gospel of John is this, and I'll finish with this. This is what my Father wants, that anyone who sees the Son and trusts who He is and what He does and then aligns with Him will enter real life, eternal life. My part, Jesus says, is to put them on their feet alive and whole at the completion of time. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every single person who's in this building this morning. No one is here today by accident. We're here because you brought us here. Irrespective of why we thought we came in your sovereignty, we're here because you brought us here. And Lord, I pray for our faith. I pray for all of our faith. I pray that you would enlarge it. Give us such a solid, deep, committed, relentless faith in you that, Lord, we will have life. <laughs> life that starts now, but life that will endure. Life that will carry on beyond death, through death, in spite of death. Thank you that you have sent your Son 
Thank you that he has done everything necessary to move us to a faith such as this. Father, I pray on behalf of those here who have not placed their faith in you. I pray that they would do so now. I ask that deep in their hearts, right now at this very moment, you would honour a desire to believe. To believe who Jesus is. To believe in his all-sufficiency, his compassionate love, and to receive from him life everlasting. Amen. Thank you.